What's up, makers? Welcome to MakerCast, a podcast about the inner work of creatives from all walks in all places. I am your host, Morgan Smith, and this is episode four. Okay, so today, picking up where we left off in last episode, talking about habits of inhibition, I want to focus on three habits of liberation that over the course of my life and my time creating, I've found provide that extra structure to free me from the mundane and the vices of escapism that can inhibit our creativity. If last episode was talking about freeing up space in the beds and in the hostel of our creative inner world, then today's episode is about making more beds or building another story in the hostel or the hotel or the mansion. Because as we practice these habits of liberation, our capacity gets increased. If we look back at the example of going to the DMV or having that difficult relationship conversation, if we've only got four beds, then each one of those, you know, that thing that we're avoiding or procrastinating is taking up one bed. That's 25% of our entire energetic capacity. But if we are able to expand and, and over time build up a larger capacity to say 100 beds, then that one little trip or that one little conversation or big conversation is only taking up one out of 100 beds, 1% instead of 25%. And therefore it becomes right-sized and becomes digestible and approachable and doable. And that happens through both by addressing the things we talked about last week and also by building up habits of liberation and freedom, building up habits that put us in a position to create on a daily basis. And as I talk about these three habits that, you know, I could have, I could have tossed a handful in a hat and stirred it around and picked three. You know, I know that for every person it'll be different. It's not a one size fits all. But instead of, you know, looking at the specifics of what we're talking about today, I encourage you to look more at the feeling. And and if the feeling of what is being created in terms of expression and freedom, if that feeling resonates with you, you can sort of superimpose it on habits in your own life that work for you. So the first habit that I want to talk about today is a habit that I've built up in my adulthood, and that is the practice of going for a walk every single day, no matter what, usually by myself, usually somewhere beautiful. And I think, you know, we get a lot of messaging about exercise and about you know, 20 minutes of moderate exercise five times a week or 30 minutes of vigorous exercise three times a week or, you know, whatever that may be. And and we're also, we're living in, an, in a culture, in an environment where there is sort of a, a strong delineation between the work week and the weekend. We work really hard. We put ourselves out knowing that come Friday evening or, you know, however it pans out for you, you'll get an opportunity to rest. And from an energetic standpoint, it's A, not sustainable, 
because that practice of pushing to exhaustion and then collapsing and recuperating and pushing to exhaustion and collapsing and recuperating hasn't really served me as a creative. It's burnt me out and then sent me into periods of sort of like social isolation and depression and an inability to tap into the community and the projects that keep me feeling inspired. And so instead of, you know, 30 minutes a day of vigorous exercise three times a week or, or, or work hard for five days and then veg for two days or get out in nature for two days, I've been very interested and very curious about what daily practice means. And for a creative, daily practice is the, is the bread and butter, is the meat and potatoes of what keeps us constantly kind of right at the edge of the new question and the new idea. And I pick walking as an example only because it's something that has worked so well for me and because it's something that's so accessible, you know, for most people. So walking every single day, or doing anything every single day, and letting the work week, weekend model sort of melt away from our daily experience, and instead looking at creation and habits of liberation as daily, no matter what practices, we become in tune with our need to take time, take moments every day for ourselves to tap into and connect with our creative inner world. Walking alone for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, two hours every day can provide an opportunity to slow down, to slow down, to slow down. And to let the, the rush of the daily life fade into the background as you move your feet and move your body and take in the beauty that's around you, the clear, dark night sky, the clouds moving and shifting, the trees as they blow in the wind and come resting to stillness and move again, the natural world, the heron perched silent and still waiting. Whatever the question is, whatever the spark is, simply to walk without stimulus, without agenda, without a destination. By practicing this, a door opens and our capacities can increase. Another bed gets added because each day, each month, each year that this gets practiced in a habitual and dedicated manner, our creativity is comforted knowing that every day it can return to us and that there will be a platform there will be an opening for it if i feel so busy 
driving from one place to the next and getting out of the car and looking for parking and rushing from one thing to the next and I'm on the clock and I'm aware of the time and I'm falling behind and I'm rushing to eat, etc. If I just make a decision to walk or bike to one or two or three of my engagements in a day, suddenly I slow down. And when I slow down, my world slows down and I am present and available for the people around me and I can bear witness to my own experiences as opposed to passing them by in a flurry of stress, anxiety, and manufactured self-importance. I've felt and have had conversations with people who speak about the most microscopic daily details as if it were a national emergency. I mean, really, you know, hold on one second. I've got to, I've got to turn, I've got to turn the water off. You know, the, the water's boiling. Hold on. Wait a minute. Hold on. I've got another phone call coming in. You know, this type of, this type of thinking can permeate our daily lives and our entire beings. And before we know it, that panic, that stress, that urgency, which, which of course we as human beings have the ability to rise to the occasion in true times of crisis, the adrenaline shot that comes from that starts to become a need so that uh, a phone, another phone call coming in or I have to answer this text or I have to be here by this time, gets responded to in our, in our central nervous systems, in our adrenal glands, as an actual crisis, without stopping to think, first of all, what am I missing? What am I missing by being so attached to outcomes? Who am I missing? What opportunities am I missing right here in front of me? And secondly, when we're in that crisis response mode, that sort of fight or flight, the actual consequences of not responding in that way don't even cross our mind. It's inaccessible because our vision is clouded with the blood-pumping, anxiety-induced tunnel vision. What happens if I don't turn off the pot of boiling water? Well, the water will keep boiling and may even evaporate. What happens if I don't take that phone call coming in on the other end? They'll probably leave a message, and I'll get back to them when I can. What happens if I don't answer that text message? I'll answer it when I have an opportunity. Maybe that's just one time, once a day, at the end of the day, if that's a benchmark I set for myself. And what happens if I'm late? What happens if I miss out? Maybe I'm afraid of looking bad or not appearing like I have it together. But there's a difference between appearing that we have it together and showing up right on time with every hair in place in a brand new outfit, looking like the spitting image of professionalism and actually having it together. Because when we actually have it together, when we are in tune with our creative and spiritual selves, once we enter a room, having walked or having driven a hundred miles an hour and 
cut someone off for a parking place. I mean, there is a difference. So when we walk in, not with the appearance of being cool, calm, and collected, but actually embodying being cool, calm, and collected, people can feel that. We have something to contribute. So how did we get from taking a walk every day to being able to step into an environment grounded, centered, present, and contribute something? You may find, if you have practices like this of your own, or if you're willing to begin some or take some back up, that the simple act of setting aside time to connect with yourself, be it through a daily walk alone in quiet and slowing down our mode of transportation. A lot of us feel like we don't have time, but I encourage you to take a step back from that statement. I don't have time. And that feels, that feels closed. That feels like a period. I don't have the time, period. But what if it was a question? What if we approached every sense of urgency or panic or anxiety instead of with a period, I can't, I won't, it's too much, etc. period, 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 with a question. My time is valuable. I know that. I'm going to look at how I'm using my time and see if there are some areas where I can cut back a little bit so that I can give more to more supportive ways of being in the world. And so I can't walk or bike or find another way other than rush. I can't drive calmly to my next engagement. I can't. I don't have time. Becomes, well, you know, actually, if I didn't spend 45 minutes every single night mindlessly watching television or scrolling social media... I could actually pack a lunch and get to bed a little earlier, which would allow me to wake up a little earlier, already prepared for the day. And in doing that, I would have the time to get to my first engagement with a little more serenity. I could walk, I could bike, I could drive in contemplative silence or with some gentle music, as opposed to putting myself in a position where after a number of days and years, Arriving at our destination starts to feel like a life or death situation, which of course it is not. It's okay. It's all okay. And so if taking walks is slowing down, and if slowing down 
is stepping into environments cool, calm, collected, centered, present, and able to contribute. And walking is the foundation. As an example, the next block to build on is the habit of always asking the internal question, what can I positively contribute to this situation? What can I give? And in positively contributing and in giving, we receive so much more. We receive the gift of actively participating in life as it unfolds around us. And in my experience, there is no greater gift. And so if I walk into a situation or an environment stressed out, anxious, late, self-absorbed, I'm missing out on the opportunity to look into the eyes of the people around me and give them the gift of first and foremost, seeing them, truly seeing them and listening to them. And then a step beyond that, as I receive the information that is being disseminated, as I pay attention to the minutia of people's well-being, asking that internal question and extending that outward by acting on the question of how can I positively contribute? In our culture, very often the contribution is monetary. And so we walk into the restaurant and we make our order at the counter or we sit down and we we pay our bill and we tack on our 18% or we order our latte and we throw a couple dollars in the tip jar and our contribution is over. And so if a spill happens three tables down or or an employee is carrying too much, too much too many dishes that they need to bus or one too many coffees balanced on a forearm, that's not our responsibility because we've already paid. But does that answer the question, what can I positively contribute? We need to wake up to what's going on around us. And remember that money is just a small portion of currency. And currency can be energetic. Currency can revolve around compassion, empathy, understanding, positivity, love, fellow humanity. These are all currencies. And similarly, so are the currencies of entitlement and self-absorption and negativity and prejudice. And if we're not looking and asking the question of what can I positively contribute, that void can often be filled with a lot of currencies that are energetically taxing to the people around us, especially if we arrive rushed and stressed and focused on self. And it sounds fluffy. What can I give? I'm going to help I'm going to grab a rag and clean up that spill. But there are a lot of circumstances where that, where that intention gets tried. And it sounds really good. I'm going to volunteer every week. I'm going to make a difference in my community. And week 10 comes around and you're tired from work and you've shown up the last nine weeks. And all of a sudden, positively contributing doesn't sound as good as it, as it did in theory. So often the ideas, the ideals have an allure, but the practice takes exactly that. It takes practice. And that means showing up to our commitments, rain or shine, high or low, up or down, feeling inspired, or just knowing that because we said we did, we're going to do it. When I think about the question of what can I positively contribute to the world and to any given situation, one perfect example that comes up a lot something I, I doubt many of us look forward to, and that's jury duty. I get that letter in the mail, 
It's got a date and a time on it. And the first thought that comes through my mind is, how can I get out of this? But of course, we show up for the most part. And right from walking in the door, you know, you're a little tired. You've probably had to park downtown somewhere where you're not familiar by a courthouse. You get in there and you're sitting and, and your experience has, is at an immediate pivot. We can spend the entire time thinking about how much we don't want to be there, what we'd rather be doing, and what we're afraid that we're missing out on. We can bury our face in our devices or in our book or in our self-absorbed thoughts, and we can eventually get to the end of the one or two or ten days of our required jury duty. But if we step into that same space, looking at it as an opportunity to practice a habit of asking ourselves, what can I positively contribute to this environment? Suddenly, we sit down in our seat in this crowded, sort of stuffy waiting room, and we look up, and we look around, and we take in our surroundings, and we notice what is happening. Who is sitting next to us? Who is sitting across from us? What is on that old television in the corner looking like it's from a 1970s sitcom, what magazines are on the table. And in just in doing that, we give ourselves an opportunity to catch the eye of a fellow human being. And many times, that's it. We just catch an eye and smile and return. And sometimes we catch an eye and we engage in a conversation that our radar and our boundary setting tells us is going to be an energetic drain. And that's okay. We can set boundaries and we can be kind yet firm, and we can then return. However, it has been my experience that oftentimes what I find is that the person across from me, that pre-conversation seemed oh so very different. Post-conversation, a lot of parallels can be drawn, and parallels and commonalities that unite us as a species are very inspiring and very informative and are part of the lifeblood that keeps inspiration and creativity churning and alive and swelling and ebbing and flowing within us. It's an opportunity not only to contribute to that person by giving them the time of day, so to speak, but also to source, to source their life experiences. If you can open up a dialogue, even if it's brief, even if it's not the most open-hearted, soul-searching conversation you've ever had, by, by meeting people where they are, by opening the door to your own heart, and allowing space for others to share in the, the common condition that is our humanity, we can walk away from situations like everything from getting a coffee to, to sitting for eight hours and never getting called on a jury duty. And instead of the, the lasting impression being, oh, I am so glad that is over. The impression can be, I made a new friend. And in making new friends, and in hearing new perspectives, it puts our lives in perspective. And that is one of the greatest gifts because it expands the viewpoint and the, the micro opens up a bit and the tunnel vision zooms back a few paces and the chewing and the, the gnawing and the ruminating and the constant flipping around in our heads that we do and that we distract ourselves from gets put in perspective as we hear another person's journey. And most of the time, the other person is richer as well. 
And so in anything from work to classroom to public environments, libraries, bookstores, and anything from, you know, court hearings and jury duties and even traffic stops, practice the habit of asking yourself, what can I positively contribute to this situation? And if I'm not present, I can't do it. And so it snaps me into the present moment and I am forced just by the habitual asking of that question to see everything that's going on around me with new eyes and with a new mission, with purpose. What can I give? And in giving, in the act of giving, what we receive compared to when we're trying to take is tenfold. And finally, mindfulness practice, meditation, and sending both hope and prayer and positivity out into the world. Because if we, if we reach the point where, you know, pick your version of my, of my walking becomes so effortless that we are arriving at each point in our lives, cool, calm, collected, present, and asking, what can I contribute? And that has been flowing for us and generating not only opportunities to meet people we maybe had never thought we would come into contact with before, but it's also stimulating creative juices in ways that we never thought possible. If we've, if we've gotten there, there's sort of this in-between time where we've taken a step back and we've looked at our time management, for lack of a better word, and we've adjusted and made adjustments to allow for more space in our daily lives and to allow ourselves to step into each encounter and each engagement with a certain level of grace. There's a downtime each day in which we may begin to ask the question, how can I further support this type of living? And for me, the answer has been mindfulness practice. And it may be different for you. But one, one Alan Watts said, if you're curious about meditation, consider in this moment, this exact moment, opening your ears and listening to what's going on around you. Just listening, becoming quiet within yourself, keeping your eyes open or closed, and just listening to the sounds. And as the sounds pass through the airwaves in one ear and out the other, you may find that you intuitively label the sounds. It's very easy to do. Car, engine, airplane overhead, children laughing in the distance, sound of a spoon dropping from a tabletop. It happens almost automatically. And this labeling, this innate intertwining of language with sound 
is something that makes us such masterful communicators. However, when it comes to just walking through the world, we can try to notice the sounds, and they may come again, rustling in the bushes with the label of rustling in the bushes. Footsteps on the path with the label coming right in, footsteps on the path, and just continue to listen and eventually let the labels dissolve and just the sounds. And the sounds are your meditation and the sounds are your stimulus without words attached to them. And very soon a thought will come, a thought of a grocery list or a thought of a person to reach out to or a thought of a worry and we'll be quick to let that pull us in another direction and to label that. But instead, with our practice of letting the labels of the sounds fade away, we can let the labels of the thoughts fall away. And so just as the sounds drift in and fade away, so we can let the thoughts come in and fade away. And if we become aware that we've gone down a rabbit hole of what to cook for dinner, we can gently remind ourselves, hmm, thinking. And with that awareness, we have again practiced returning. And we let that thought fade away. And we return to the sounds. And so for those who have told me, you know, I can't meditate. I have too many thoughts in my head. It doesn't work for me. I just offer this as an option for opening our ears to the sounds around us, opening our hearts to the present moment, and opening our minds enough to let thoughts be what they are. Not us, not who we are, just thoughts that come like the sound of a rushing river and go and fade away. And so I'm hoping that today, by offering three habits of freedom, that as I practice and struggle and fall and get back up and work towards again, have opened the doors of creativity within myself, that you might either adopt or experiment with some of these, or see the ways in which there are certain things that maybe you've been doing a little but want to do more, have kind of a similar resonance to some of these, these topics of conversation. And if you find that either walking, positively contributing, and practicing mindfulness, or whatever those things may be in your life, do provide a similar framework for creating a life that is more creatively inspired, then dedicate your energy to those things. Find them, seek them out, prioritize them, and let them blossom. And the result, at least for me, has been a lot of freedom, a lot of liberation from that mundane, from those habits of inhibition. And the beds in the hostel will multiply exponentially, creating more and more space for the sparks to come on fire. 
And the things that felt heavy and full of resistance become right-sized and smaller in, in orientation to all the light and all the joy and all the creative inspiration that's unfolding inside of you, making it that much easier to just look at a small challenge and move through it in the name of making space for more. And so, for me, where I stand feeling alive and on fire to you out there, wherever you are. Keep making. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.